Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Branding is much more about repelling than it is about attracting, right? It is about repelling the things that are not aligned as quickly and efficiently as possible so they don't become a drain on our time and our energy and our spirit in some cases. Welcome back to Context and Clarity, the place where authors, experts, and thought leaders come to have engaged conversations with entrepreneurial architects just like you. I'm Jeff Eccles, and every Tuesday afternoon on Context and Clarity Live, my co-host Katie Kangas and I, and our live audiences that are joining us from all across the internet, we all have a conversation with a special guest to search for clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect, no matter what your context is. In this episode, Emily Sikorsi returns. Emily is a Context and Clarity Live alum, She's a brand strategist. She's the co-author of the book, Rooting Up, Essays on Modern Branding, and one of the speakers at the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting last year in Austin. I should also say she's the co-founder of the branding firm Root & River. And we may have just made her an honorary member of the Entree Architect Community. You'll just have to listen in and find out. Our guest today, I'd say she's a translator of emotions whose work is soulful, it's cliche-free, and it's mission-driven. She's a brand strategist and co-author of the book, Rooting Up, Essays on Modern Branding. She also was one of the speakers at the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting in Austin, Texas last year. Uh, Lots of great feedback from that presentation. She's a co-founder and the CEO of the brand strategy firm, Root and River. Emily Sikorsi, welcome back to Context and Clarity Live. Hi. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you all again. I think it's the third time. Okay. I'm so, it might be the fourth. Now I'm just adding on the third for sure. It can be whatever you want it to be. I I was thinking about that. I was going to say second, but I thought, no, I think I'm pretty sure this is the third time. So, Um, but plus, for the get together. Yes. Before yeah. Our yeah. gathering. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've, uh, we've had a lot of good fun together and, and, uh, a lot of, um, I know you've, uh, you've been working with some in the community and you've shared a lot with this community. So it feels like you're just part of the community at this point. I love to hear you say that. And like, I see John in the chat and he says no, which is sort of like an inside joke. It's sort of like a root and riverism, right? But, Yep. You can say no, and no is a complete sentence, and you want to know who you want to say no to as far right. as clients. So we have inside jokes. This is really fun. I'm getting to be part it of it. 
<laughs> it is. Yeah, we're, you're you're an honorary architect. You're an honorary member of the uh, of the community now. So it's great to have yeah. you here. Great to be here. My best friend and I, um, we were leaving high school and going to different schools and trying to figure out what we were going to study. We we're both very alike. She chose architecture, and so she's an architect. But I chose a different path, obviously. So now it just feels full circle. Now that I'm an yeah. honorary member. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. It's, it's a small circle too, and and you know I think your work to me, especially for this community, for smaller firms, many of whom are um, sole practitioners, um, you know, and, and and getting a little bit larger from there certainly. But I think the the soul and the purpose that you bring to your branding work for people like architects, I think is really important. I think it really, uh, really resonates with a lot of our, uh, with a lot of our community. And I, I really appreciate, um, you know, you, you can, you can jump into, to your approach and in the way that you, uh, like to design brands. It's not the right way to say it, but intrinsic branding and everything else. But I, I think, I think that, there are an awful lot of people in this profession and not even just in small firms that look at their work and look at their passion for what they do. And it's very different than owning the ice cream shop. And it's very different than owning the, the accounting firm or, you know, whatever the other, the other things are because they bring something different to their work and, and their, even, even their identity is, is tied to, to this. And so I think your approach to branding and helping people understand what their brand is, uh, I think that's one of the real reasons that it resonates so much. So why don't you give us a little, a little clue? Let's, let's start with what, what have you been thinking about lately? You had a week before we went live, I, I mentioned a post that I, was it yesterday or the day before that I read. And I thought, you know, that, that really resonates with me. Um, the, the idea of evolution. Thank you, Jeff, for all that. Um, yeah, so lately I've been thinking about um, how how we change. Um, and a lot of, I, I see this in my work where um, I work with a lot of established brands and not it runs the gamut, big brands, small brands in between. And they sort of have this coming up for air or pull the car over moment where they've achieved success. They have a good team. They have a good inherent culture. Um, but they, they, when they come up for air, they're like, Oh, something's off. Maybe I'm feeling like not very fulfilled or we're putting all this effort in. We're running a successful business, but and this is my, these are my words. Like, where's the heart in it? Like where, why does it matter? It's a little bit of, identity and reflection on who they are and then it's also like there's often this gap so they may be doing that personally and not realize that that's also showing up in the brand but then they also but they at the same time realize that the brand feels a little off but they're not fully making the connection that as they've changed as a human being whatever they've been going through um, that has shifted the way they're showing up in their work that shifted the conversations that they're having with their partners in the firm or the people on their team. And it's so subtle and so gradual that oftentimes they're not realizing it. What happens is this gap opens up and then it's it's like a little bit of a, you know, oh, okay, where do I, what do I do now? I'm, I'm not fully comfortable. I'm not fully fulfilled in, in this moment. And um, a lot of times that's where our paths cross and there, there rises a desire to get more clear about who they are really because branding is really just a, a process of introspection first that's why we call it, the way we do it is intrinsic branding um so they're going there is this part of it at the very foundation that is an inward journey what do i really believe why am i doing this how and then how is that getting how is that getting translated and showing up in the brand but yeah that's what i'm thinking about because i mean that's resonant for me personally and i still think even though people are sick of talking about the pandemic and what happened it's a lot to have gone through in the last few years. And if I have not met a person who hasn't been changed, either drastically or significantly, but subtly a little bit. Of. And so I think maybe we're working on that personally, but we're not working on that. We're not seeing the connection that plays out in our work or making that adjustment maybe comes last in, in the flow of things. So that's, that's kind of what I've been noodling on. 
It struck me as you were describing that, that there are a lot of architects, especially ones that work on residential projects, right? They've got a, they, who, whatever the makeup of the couple or it's a single person, you know, because they're working on one of the, probably the, if not one of the biggest investments in, in this client's life, uh, architects will often say that they're part architect and part therapist or, you know, marriage counselor, or, you know, some version of that. And as you were describing that, I thought, well, <laughs> you may feel the same way because you're, you're almost talking about providing therapy for your clients Mm-hmm. In that, in that introspection, um, in in that finding who we are, and, and I guess in the case of what you're describing, in the you know finding how we're changing, and, and I think you're exactly right. The the pandemic has has um, I mean it's changed the world, right? And, and we're in it. So 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 when you when you're working with clients, and and especially now, I guess 2023 is probably a little bit different than 2018, mm-hmm. 19. What are what are some new ways that you're thinking about or looking about or, or looking at or, or new techniques that you're using uh, to to design and, and build these brands? Yeah, it's always changing and it's always um, we ha- we have a mantra here at Root and River, um, which is we, we believe in defiance. And the way that we live that out is we find the flow and forget the formula. It's so easy in the space of brand and and certainly for sure in marketing to have a formula, apply that across the board. But we really have a methodology, a way of thinking, a philosophy of intrinsic branding that we are then adapting and we are coming alongside our clients wherever they're at to move them through that. So I think in a lot of the work I've been doing, and this kind of connects to what I was writing about the other day on LinkedIn, is this just a reset of vision, a reset of purpose, because so much has changed. So I find in our sessions that we're spending a little bit more time there than um, perhaps in the past. Sometimes in the past, it was sort of like it, we didn't spend as much time there. And now I'm carving out more time because I think to get people plugged back into a vision that has dra- dramatically shifted and to see their place in it and um, spur imagination again. It's a tender and vulnerable place to be. And it's also really necessary for the business and the brand. And I think even if you had shifted during the pandemic, you've also shifted again is what I'm seeing. Like there have been additional shifts within the last six months to a year. I mean, I think this year started off with a lot of fear around a recession and that's sort of this clouding over everything. And there's, it's, I think of the analogy of like, you know, if, if you want a butterfly to land on you, don't go chasing it, right? You like hold out your hand with a you know, beautiful flower or a piece of fruit. And that's really kind of what we're doing in our sessions with our clients of like, dream a little bit again. Let's imagine, let's let's find something that has meaning for you. And that might be, and we used to do five to 10 years in our visioning. Now we do three max, because that's really all given our uncertain world, all the brain can kind of get to. So yeah, that's something I'm seeing. That's a different level of goals for that three-year term. And it's interesting to me how you guide people through that decision-making process to come to that core. Um, I was reading one of your articles and it was about uh, the simplicity that you can find a lot in that, in finding that simple message that is at your essence and at your core. I was curious if a message could be too simple. What's the difference between simple versus boring? That's a great, great question. And I think the difference between simple and boring, boring is usually cliche sometimes a cliche is in some cases very simple but if it's cliche and you've heard it before then it's it's not it's it, it falls out of the simple but our our rub- simple is one of our rubrics but that comes along with unexpected and emotional so it has to be all three and that really keeps us away from boring you can have a, a statement that's not un, unexpected and not emotional and then it's boring <laughs> Um, so we really try to push to, you know, sometimes you can say something that's a message, like in a session, someone will throw something out and it's like, yeah, that's true. But like, so what? Like, if you can say, so what afterwards, that's another good, good um, test if it starts conversation. So basically, if, if, if you have a simple statement, but people go, hmm, oh, never thought of it that way before. And then there's more, you know, there's more of a dialogue. It's also a, a really good test that you're now you're 
on beyond just simple into also unexpected and emotional. I love that it aligns with your own branding, that it needs to be something that can grow. It's not just a dead little seed. It's something that's going to become more. I love that. And that's one of the interesting things in our session is like, we'll be crafting and, 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 um, I mean, we're word nerds over here at Root and River. So we're just like digging into the language and we're throwing out ideas and collaboratively with our clients. And then there'll be something thrown out. And sometimes it just sits for a minute and then there'll be a loop back. Someone will be like, you know, when you say, and so then, and then sometimes we'll look down, it's like 15 minutes later. Ooh, we're still talking about that idea. We've, we've got something here. So just almost being observers of our own behavior in the container of Root Session or the work, the workspace that we create. And I think it's, to, it's important to point out, I think, that you know, we're talking about simple. We're talking about simple in, in I guess, the phrase and in, in, the, in the message, but that doesn't mean easy. And, and often I think it's the opposite, right? Simple, but not easy. Um, and I was looking at Red Mike. Red Mike says architects could be seen as the first social influence back in the 20s. Uh, Le Corbusier and Walter Gropius were pushing their brand saw the power of cinema, made short films about design work and ideas. Um, it was 100 years ago. Why are architects in general so slow to follow? To me, I, I agree, architects are slow to follow. Okay, Architects are slow to adopt or adapt to many things. But I, from my point of view, we're not the only ones. Because what, what Emily is talking about, what you're talking about, Emily, is, is deep. And it's not easy. It, to me, it's really easy to, I don't know, I've got some errands to run this evening. Maybe I'll go to Target this evening to pick a couple of things up. There are plenty of things at Target that also have terrible to no branding. Um, so I, I think it's, to me, I think it's the difficulty in achieving the depth of what you're talking about that keeps many brands away from it. And I think especially architects, it takes a lot of work to get there, I think. Um, how do you feel about, I mean, you talk about the profession, you've got lots of uh, your friends and, and also clients that are here. Um, what do you see about the, the adaptation of what you're talking about? Yeah, I think architects are blessed with the um, ability to see all the part, see all the pieces in the whole. They're one of those professions where that's part of you know your training. And, and so any endeavor, I think there's so much more mindfulness about Okay, yeah, great rebrand, but that's going to be like a big effort and it's intimidating, it's overwhelming. And I also think in general, the glut of information about brand, about marketing, about social media, it's it's just a it's a mosh pit of ugliness. <laughs> and I live in this space. I don't it's just too much, it's far too much and it's all pretty much designed to sell you something that you can kind of rely on with a bunch of false promises. So the whole milieu is just overwhelming. And the actual act of getting clear about your brand is it is simple to use that word again. Like when you have a when you've dug, you've done that work, when you you came out of the water and you swam to shore and you camped out for a couple of days, so to speak, and you've done that work and you're clear on that foundation, that wipes away a a lot of the complexity because now you haven't created a brand. You just saw what was within, articulated it, and are excited and a little scared, a little nervous, but excited to go share it. I think one of the biggest misconceptions, and I see this time and again with clients, is that like they um, they have this sense that you know brand needs to be found, and it, it isn't. It's just a come. It's a coming out. It's a. It's a. This isn't something new. This is who we are. This is who we always have been. And now we're just saying it. And that feels exciting and momentous in this place where, you know, you're moving forward. Now, I will also say for architects, from my experience, because there is this, um, I will say a servant is this, you are serving the art and you're serving the function and you're serving the client. So that feels like an overlay. To get to the place where you are saying, no, this is me and this is what we believe it, it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Um, and we often say at Root & River, like humility is a beautiful, beautiful quality and a terrible brand strategy. So we don't want, it's great to be 
be humble, but not when you're like, is your job. And I see John commented about the butterfly. Like your job is to be findable as who you are. It's not actually to go out and catch a bunch of butterflies, chase them down. It's to be confident in what you're offering and saying, this is who we are. But that is uncomfortable when you're coming from a servant mindset. Yeah. And that fear of being self-promotional, salesy, that right of ugliness. So <laughs> yeah, listen to that answer. It was a very image-driven answer. A lot of metaphors. <laughs> Well, for, for all these visual people, I think it's, uh, I think it's very fitting. You know, there are, I think there are a couple of important lessons in there. One, you mentioned creating a brand and that's really different than what you're talking about and, and the brand and finding the brand. And I think a lot of us would think about, oh, well, we've got to, and, and I'm sure I've used that language before, create a brand, design a brand, build a brand, et cetera. But you're you're talking about that uh, in a different way, and, and I think part of the uncomfortableness in this profession is, and I, I stir the pot with this all the time. But there are a lot of architects out there that have have um, said this is this is the type of work, this is our ideal pro our ideal project type, and they never make that leap to our ideal client is the people that I want to, people that I need to attract those butterflies that I need to attract to land on my hand, right? They've not made the leap to that point, which is, I think, one of the reasons that this is also so uncomfortable. I agree, I agree. Small firm entrepreneur architects, get ready to build a better business with the Entree Architect podcast, where business meets architecture. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, the host of Entree Architect Podcast. Join me every week for inspiring interviews with passionate people that share proven strategies to help you build a better business. If you think there is a problem, one, you can't make a move until you have a plan in place. The accountability chart really helps plan, okay, for the business six to 12 months out, this is what we need. We cover it all from financial management to marketing, sales, productivity, and beyond. There's two sides of it, right? So there's the one when you don't have any work. So you're like, well, I'm either going to charge enough to be profitable or I'm going go to go out of business. Or you have so much work and you have backlog and you don't need any more work. So you charge way more. I'd also say lagging measures, one of the best, like the best, best, best. <laughs> so for any client, for any professional service um, company, if you're going to take one thing away from what we're talking about today, is to look at a number called the labor efficiency ratio. Entree Architect is not just a podcast. It's your secret weapon for success. With over 500 episodes, it's one of the longest running architecture podcasts in the world. You're sure to find the information you need to elevate your business. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now and join the community of small firm entrepreneur architects building better businesses. And in teams that I've been a part of in the past, it seems like architects are even passive in that they do say that we do this project type, it attracts a certain client, and then the culture of that team seems to reflect that client type or that project type. And so it kind of creates, it, it, you don't take control. You're encouraging people to take control of that story. And really, I love how you talk about telling your own story. I also really appreciated Mark's comment about how we kind of got ourselves in this mess that our professional org organizations squashed the momentum of Wright, Corbu, and Grobrius and others, starting with their rules and no self-promotion culture. And it's now our individual responsibilities to tell our individual stories as architects. So many of us are still waiting for others to tell our story. Branding for architects is more than attracting great clients. It's about rebuilding the profession. And so as a whole, we're each little pieces of building the, and that seems daunting to me as a sole practitioner, that I don't just have to tell my own story, but I also have to heal the brokenness of what contractors think of architects and even what like my uncle, who's a banker, thinks of architects who design their own houses that are very specialty and uh, not resellable in his opinion. But it's like, there's all these broken perceptions that we're trying to fix. And I love that you're starting with the individual. 
and building that forward. Do you have any thoughts on that idea of that profession as a whole? Yeah, I think that, again, you're seeing that architect mentality where you're not just seeing the issue. You, Katie, immediately were like, look at all the work to do, um, which is beautiful. Also, I think to give you all some props specifically, I think the industry, there's a lot of people in your space that don't give two winks about all that. They're just doing their thing and they're firm. The entree architect community <laughs> is a deep, thoughtful, collaborative, loving community that is considering how do we rebuild architecture as a, as a concept. And so you need the disruptors as you are to make efforts. I mean, it's not going to change if no one makes any efforts at it. And I think this is the contingent. This is the community that is that gives a shit about that and is trying to address it. Um, and if that begins with individual reflection, like that's, I think that's too, like that is how it begins. It begins with individual work always, no matter the endeavor. And so that, that's a great start there. Yeah. Did you have a rebellious streak growing up? That where you were able to uh, pursue this? That's so funny. That's a great question. I've never been asked that before. I did, but I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think I was always aware of my brand and my family. So I'm, I come from a family. I have four, four, I have three siblings, but I'm one of four, and uh, I'm the only girl. And I come from a very um, Italian American family, so there's a lot of like masculine hierarchy, and so. I rebelled in my own way, but I kind of always made sure that on the surface it all looked good, <laughs> that I was pretty, I think I only broke curfew once, actually twice, but one time I got stung by a scorpion and that's why I broke curfew. I was in the hospital. This other time was just rebellious. Um, so I kind of like on the surface, it looked like the brand was intact, but underneath there was a lot of rebellion going on. Um, so yeah, I did. And I think I always had a defiant streak particularly when it came to my, my brothers and like what girls should do or, um, you know, how that, how I was going to be perceived in the world. Um, so a little bit, yeah, but I never dyed my hair purple or, you know, got, you know, my nose pierced or anything. Don't knock it out yet. No, it's <laughs> yeah. so Jeff just got his tattoo a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what you were just saying, I think, is also a good lesson for the profession, because there, you know, for all of the all of the complaining that we'll do about the public's per perception or lack of understanding of what architects do, uh, et cetera, it's it's our fault. Right. Yeah, we could blame HGTV or we could blame realtors or whatever, but if we if we aren't out there rebelling if we want to say it that way and saying no this is what i do this is how i do it others may do it this way others may do it slightly differently but but if we're not out there promoting you know this this rebellion against what it is that we're complaining against we're never going to uh we're never going to change that narrative absolutely that's it exactly and you know again it's I think being a mosaic thinker and seeing all the pieces is such a gift, but in certain instances, it can be, it can be a hindrance too. And so that's when it's like a callback to that simple thing that you can do. Like one of my favorite mantras is do what you can with what you have, where you are. Um, just you know, like start with that. I think the other thing though, just to speak to the context, since we're talking about context and clarity for architects is um, just a lot of periods of scarcity in your industry and compete and that breeds competition. And, um, and I think a lot of the people in this community have weathered those storms and you're, you're both are nodding and, and yeah. So I think that that, and it affects the way that we carrying forward, you know, maybe that does make you a little bit more passive and it makes you a little bit more malleable to whatever the client needs and whatever the project calls for. So I understand how that gets built over time. And then that also contributes to like, no, don't do anything too crazy. <laughs> yeah, we kind of draw into ourselves. And then the idea of like content creation and putting it out there seems so counterintuitive to that. And it's hard to decide like what to share because architects can get into the esoteric details. 
And I don't think our clients really need to know what kind of sealant is going along the foundation wall, even though that may just make us very interested. Uh, so how are you helping clients navigate like what story they share? Because there's a different conversation of that identity, but then there's those questions that you ask so well about like, what do the people you're serving need to know? What are their, what are they interested in and how you're shaping that conversation? Yeah. I mean, it's a few things pop up for me. I mean, first, first order of business is always to tend to the foundation. You'll appreciate a lot of my allegories here. So once you have that foundation of your vision, your mission, your beliefs and standards, your, I'm using all this root and river language. It's basically that core part, your message, your ideal audience, your um, differentiators. Then you can start, first of all, there's about a thousand stories to tell from all of those things I just mentioned that are relevant because again, it's about being findable. Your clients don't really care about the sealant. They do care about what you value regardless of what kind of client they are, what kind of the project, what kind of project it is. So there's a thousand stories to tell there. And then you layer into that and through that, the things that you have passion for. And so, you know, there, I think you have the foundation that's about who you are and what the firm is because anybody can buy anything at any time. And what makes you truly different is what you believe and the experiences that you want to give to your clients. If I'm being really direct. So I think that that's the majority of the, the content seedbed and then peppering in other um, pieces of expertise that you're excited to share about and around and being consistent, somewhat consistent, putting some parameters around what that is with an eye towards the strategy of where you want to build your, your base. Is that helpful? Did that answer, Jen Katie? It is. It's sharing, like you said, that story of purpose rather than sharing stories of solutions. We are knowledge leaders, and so sometimes it's temp tempting to default to that knowledge and write those articles that HGTV has or other product manufacturers do tons of those different articles. And it, to your point of differentiation, what are we doing that's different than them? Um, so that is really helpful to kind of cull the list and, and get to that, like, just start with that one that's kind of most aligned. I love that. Yeah, it's just about being you, drawing from what you can do that nobody else can do, what you can, what you believe that nobody else believes, or, you know, that concept. When I was reading about that, you also compared it to thinking about a small town newspaper. And that implies like this intimacy of the stories that you're sharing, kind of very specific stories and a closeness to connect with people. And that seems counterintuitive to how our world keeps conglomerating into larger and larger sections. And so how to navigate, it's almost like little spider webs reaching out to your people to build that sort of network and culture with who you're reaching out to. I think it's about, you said building work. I almost think it's about noticing because I think we have so much connection. We're a part of a lot of communities we may not even register as communities, right? Using that modern language. Um, and it's about telling those stories that, again, abound. I mean, I'm sure any one of you on this call would think about a client that you just loved working with. And maybe the project was great too, but you just loved working with them and maybe telling a little story about that. Somebody asked me recently, like, how do you share about awards without being over, overly promotional? And so I talked about how when I was trying to decide where to go to college, I really thought I was going to go away, um, leave Arizona, go somewhere exciting, Ivy. And I got waitlisted and didn't get into schools I really wanted to go to. So I ended up at Arizona State University at their honors college. And it was sort of like ho-hum. I'll go there and then I'll study abroad and whatever. But it came to be this really important place that I loved. I went from a small school all throughout like grade school and high school to a huge university. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. And it just, it became an important piece for me. And now all these years later, I was just honored at 100, which is an award they give to alumni. So it has a deep meaning to me because I kind of discounted ASU and then it became important. And now that recognizing um, alumni and their contributions. So that was my example for how you tell us. So you don't say I won the Sun Devil 100. You say, 
this is what this is what this means to me and i know it's not the biggest deal in the world but here's here's the story so hopefully you saw that's more engaging than just and so that storytelling plays such a huge role and we have so many stories at our fingertips that can be then woven into some other thing of more significance or something you're really wanting to share without seeming promotional. Well, what if you share a story that maybe doesn't go as far as to offend somebody, but what if what do you tell a story that turns somebody off or you tell a story that somebody reads it, hears it, watches it, whatever the, the medium is, and they say, yeah, that doesn't resonate with me or no, I don't, I'm not sure I want to want to work with with that person what what happens then you're like good (laughs) yay or you engage that person in dialogue i mean so i the analogy of the small town newspaper comes pretty honestly and that's where i started my career as a journalist in a local newspaper and i think that you know whenever when we were just kind of in the early days of my career in the newsroom, it was like, if you have people mad at you on both sides of the issue, you've done your job, right? So when I first started and wanting to be liked and not wanting people to call and yell at me, I was like, God, I hope this doesn't piss anyone off. But what I came to realize over the years is that I am a, I'm in service of dialogue and discussion. And I truly believe that. I believe in expression and I believe in the power of language to surface ideas and to change our thoughts. And so any feedback is, is feedback. Is somebody engaging with the ideas, whether they're saying, I hate that I disagree or, and that takes a step. Most people say, I hate that I disagree and they go away. But if they say, I hate that I disagree and they make that statement in some way, ooh, they're engaging. So you can choose to say, okay, thank you for the feedback. Or, um, or just silently kind of know, okay, this is not for you, which is also one of our mantras. Like, this is not, and you are not for everyone. Your stories are not for everyone. I don't read, I read obsessively, but there's some writers that I just don't, I just don't gel with, right? There's lots of other options. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like you said earlier, um, we're always going to be in service of clients. And they're, you know, because of our culture, because of the nature of our business, et cetera, there are going to be clients that we complain about. And wouldn't it be great if we could reduce the number of clients that we complained about, right? If, if this story turns somebody away to another architect, great, because they would probably end up being one of those clients that we complained about. So why not save ourselves? And, and I know that's a scary thought. I know it is. And I've got stories about, about, saying yes to clients out of desperation, right? Because we didn't have any other work. That's real, right? That, that's that's reality. And it is scary. But um, in, in the ideal world, if I can reduce the number of people that I have to deal with that I would not be happy dealing with, I think that's a win, personally. Absolutely. And, you know, I said this in Austin, that branding is much more about repelling than it is about attracting, right? It is about repelling the things that are not aligned as quickly and efficiently as possible. So they don't become a drain on our time and our energy and our spirit in some cases. I think what we see is the fear and what we miss oftentimes is the fact that with greater awareness. So if there is a moment of desperation and you're aware, I'm desperate, I need this client, but you know your ideal audience is and you're like, "Mm, I see they're not aligned here and here. That's where I'm going to struggle okay, I'm still committed to it because I need this client. You're still walking into that way more educated yourself. And you're like, okay, this is misaligned. I'm only going to go to this point with it, or I'm not going to personalize it the way I would with another client that I know is very aligned. So it just gives you more information. Like we've all been in those moments where we have to take on something that's not perfect. Um, But when you know what you really want, it actually helps navigate that process of dealing with someone. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. You go in eyes wide open at that point. Nowadays, conflict is almost unavoidable. And so it just goes back to your point of how that foundation is so essential that if you have any cracks in that foundation, any foreign materials, it's not going to hold up to that scrutiny. So if you do have that pure hold to what you know is true and holding you true and keeping that at the center focus, gosh, that's kind of the only way to survive through through any defiance or be defiant against the naysayers. I'm curious, what is the biggest 
defiance you've had in your business as it's grown and adapted? Like, are there any branches you've had to cut off to like keep growing the right way? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm a sentimental person. So anytime we have to cut something off, I just labor over it, but you have to, I think the one that jumps to mind was, I think it was like 2018, maybe it was 2019. And we kind of hit a bit of a lull. Um, and my then business partner and I got together and we're like, well, maybe we're going down. Like maybe the world doesn't want this. Maybe, you know, intrinsic branding isn't for everyone. Um, and so we're like, okay, well, we can modify, right? We can modify this. We can shade. And then we're like, mm, no. <laughs> and what we did, what we decided was to double down on what we believed on who we wanted to work with, get even clearer, spend more time going back to the foundation for ourselves and then just go forward. Cause we thought we're going to go down. We're going to go down being who we are. You know, he often says like, let the world see who you are and um, let them deal with it. Right. It's this, we'll know one way or the other. Um, but if we go out being true, then we'll truly know if we go out being trying to kind of massage myself into a place where it looks good to you, we're not going to know, we're not going to be any better off than we are right now. So I think that was important moment and it really gave birth to this next sort of period of growth that we experienced after that. Yeah, I, I think that that idea or that action of doubling down is, is really important too. John says it, it's, um, it sounds scary, uh, but it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah. I think I was thinking about what you were just saying. And if, if, if I, if I'm, if I'm melding myself to, to, I don't remember if that's how you said it, but if I'm melding myself to, to meet what you think looks good, you're right. I'm never going to know, right? If this does go down or if I continue to struggle because I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to comply, I'm trying to change, I'm trying to match these expectations versus a, a double down. If I'm in my mind, at least when I, when I say I'm doubling down, it's like, okay, I'm going to double down. I'm going to go even harder on this. I'm going to do even more work in this direction or make sure I'm focusing all of my work in this direction. And the market's going to tell me, right? And I think one of the things that happens with a lot of us is we, we're lukewarm, right? Well, I don't quite do enough work. I don't quite make, sorry, everybody. I don't quite make enough phone calls or send enough emails or whatever you're doing for your business development activities, et cetera. I know I'm taking this a little out, you know, to other parts of the, the business, but I think that's the danger, right? If I'm not going all in, then I'm probably not going to succeed anyway. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with what John is, is saying that it's, it can be scary, but yeah, business can be scary, right? I can't, I can't remove the fear. Like, I think that's another thing we want as human beings. Like, oh, I'll find my brand and then that'll be great. I won't, I'll be bold excited you'll be afraid every time um and that's good that is a sign right that we're preparing to do something difficult that's what fear is false energy appearing real something coming up that's getting us focused aware present to say something that matters or do something that's risky um that's the whole intention of fear um so the i this magical thinking about the removal of fear or risk is just that magical I love this question from this link. I'm not sure who it is, but a LinkedIn user says, do you think coming out um, with we're not for everyone create, oh, thank you, creates a bit of self-reflection, self-selection for clients? Totally. I do. That's why I recommend it. Um, as in a client might be more motivated to work with you because they want to feel like they are exclusive, exclusive enough. Yes. And I, I would, I bristle a little bit at exclusive at that language, but I, under, I understand and take the point. I think it's aligned. It is about alignment. And this has really borne out in consumer behavior. But today, people want to work and support companies that they feel really aligned with. Um, so I think that it, that exclusivity is around kind of alignment. And I think clients are looking for an experience. That's another trend that we've seen rising, right? So when you share that you've thought about the experience, that you're trying to craft a certain experience, they react to that. Like, yes, I want that. I don't want this to just be a, we don't operate like most um, marketing for, um, agencies, right? So a lot of times in that model, you come in, you interview the client, you go away, you come back with a big ta-da moment. 
and you get their reaction. I worked with an agency once and they called it, they referred to that second meeting as cry and like wipe and cry or something like that. And I was like, this is terrible. Like you're expecting the client to tear apart what you put together. We're, we're collaborative. We're in the moment. We're creating together. We're unearthing. It's a, it's a process of you showing me something and me kind of going in to dig a little deeper. Um, so that's part of the experience that we're trying to give. So people who don't want that experience should not work with us. They should work with an agency if, if you prefer the other experience. So I think it's just getting, when you're saying we're not for everyone and here's why, it's giving them the clarity that they're really seeking in terms of alignment of values and in terms of alignment on the experience that they want to have. Yeah, I think that's, you know, we're, we're at times we're kind of dancing around start with why Simon Sinek and, and other yeah. Others that we, you know, we've we've seen their TED Talks, et cetera. And I think you said this earlier at some point, Emily, some version of this. There's so many choices out there. No matter where you are, no matter how small your your town is, there are a lot of architects or other service providers people could choose from. And, and everybody is looking for a reason to make the choice. And if if they want that to be the lowest the lowest fee, then you get to decide if you want to play that game. But if you give them a real reason, you know, something for them to, as as you said, some something that they can align with, and that becomes the reason that they hire you. That's why we're doing this, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in that scenario, it's not, we often go to that, well, choose me, choose me energy. And I think what I'm saying is instead of choose me, pick me, it's here I am. This is what I believe. Like, here I am. Here we are. This is who we are. And then it changes an energetic level. It really changes the feel of that discussion that you start to have with someone who may be interested in your services. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. I realize now we're actually past the top of the hour. (laughs) This went very, very quickly. This is very fun as always uh, talking with Emily about uh, intrinsic branding and and all, all things unearthing the brands within us and within our, our organizations. So Emily, thank you very much for this conversation. For those of you out there that want to know more or want to get in touch with Emily, rootandriver.com is where you will find Emily and, and her team there. Uh, reach out. She's done so much with this community. We, we bestowed upon her the honorary uh, community membership earlier in case you missed that. She has spoken to us at the annual meeting. She has uh, done webinars for us. She's worked with folks in our community. So go to rootandriver.com, reach out to Emily and her team, figure out what you can do to develop this alignment for your ideal client. Um, That would be a great gift back to Emily for so much that she has given to our community. So rootandriver.com is the place to find that. I want to say thank you to Katie for uh, co-hosting this with me and as well as the past several weeks. I don't even know. (laughs) Five, six, I'm not sure how many weeks we've been going uh, since we got restarted here. We're going to take a break. Uh, We're going to take a summer break and we're going to come up, come back for our fall season uh, right after Labor Day. So um, look forward to many new interviews for Context and Clarity Live with great guests like Emily. And and, uh, if you have any recommendations, any suggestions, say, hey, we need we, we need to talk to this person on uh, Context and Clarity Live. Reach out to me or Katie or Mark and, and let us know that. But uh, we're, we're booking for our fall season now. I say this every time, but I, I still really do mean this. If it weren't for you, we would not be having this conversation with Emily. And so selfishly, thank you for the opportunity to have all these great conversations that we've had. This is, I think, for Context and Clarity Live, we're something like 150 conversations in or something like that. So. So I appreciate all of you for all of that. And Emily's leaving us with a beautiful message, taking a break, thinking inward, looking at that foundation. It's a great call uh, to reset. Well, what do you think? Did you hear something in this conversation that you can use maybe in your practice or even in your life? If the topic of this conversation is of particular interest to you every week, In the Entree Architect Network, I host the Context and Clarity Classroom. It's our weekly opportunity to take what we've learned from our special guests 
and put those lessons into action in your life and in your work. Find the Context and Clarity Classroom exclusively inside the Entree Architect Network at network.entrearchitect.com. And if you are so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to YouTube. Find the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. You can also have the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week. Just give us a rating and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Your likes and your ratings and your shares all help us help other entrepreneur architects like you. And together, they help us build the largest worldwide community of small firm architects. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment. And it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you're going to find something there that interests you. You can learn more at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L Media.com. So thanks for listening. I hope this conversation has inspired you to think about how you can build your business into something that allows you to practice the way that you want to practice. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.